Uh, as we begin today, I want to begin with prayer. Today's going to be kind of a heavy message, just to let you know. Um, and as we talk about walking with Jesus, we're going to be talking about the humanity of Jesus. And uh, this very powerful concept that Jesus was all God, but he was all human. Everything that we experience, everything from our temptations to our pain and our struggles, Jesus experienced those things, and he did that for all of us. So we're going to get into that. So before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege and the honor uh, to work with this amazing family here on the west side. I thank you for your, your word, and we thank you for worship this morning. And all things that we bring you glory, and all things that we do, we just, uh, uh, we just want you to be proud of us because we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I don't know if you think church sometimes is a, is a crazy place to be. How many of you have ever agreed church can be kind of nuts? So back, I'm in the back here and I'm praying, okay, diligently and, uh, and, and smoking a cigarette. But anyway, I was in the back, <laughs> so I'm praying. I hear Heather going, she's, she's say, Psst, hey, hey. So I, I lift up and I thought she said, <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I'm like, uh, Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> and what she was saying is, do you have your mic on? right? That's what I think you said. Anyway, it was awkward. Anyway, anyway, church is a fun place to be. Uh, here's today's big idea. Big idea is in order for Jesus to make an atonement for all of our sins, he had to become like us in all ways. By doing so, he modeled for us how to walk as he walked. Now, what does that mean? That Jesus, in all of his humanity, just like us, he walked like we walked. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 17. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, being Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. For this reason, he had to be made like them, this is the key, fully human in every way, in order that just as he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus became fully human for all of us, and he de defeated Satan for all of us. He bled for all of us. He was our high priest. Now, here's the difference between the Old Testament high priest and Jesus. The Old Testament high priest would bring a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus laid it all on the line for all of us. And he felt extreme pain just like we do. That word atonement, that's a, that's a powerful word. It means reconciliation of God and humankind through the sacrifice and the death of Jesus. So I was thinking, if I look at the life of Jesus and him being completely human, his life and the humanity of Jesus, what's the most intense, raw emotion that he experienced that we experience? And I think it's tears. I think it's tears. Now, a lot of us don't like to talk about tears. Uh, we, some of you might be wired like me. Uh, you cry at Walmart opening. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take much to move you. Uh, but tears are an important part of life. Matter of fact, listen to this in Psalms 56, verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Isn't that awesome? David said, and it's a metaphor, he said, Lord, I picture it this way. You love me so much 
that you literally know, you know every time I shed a tear and you've collected all those tears so that I know how much you love me. So let me ask you a loaded question to all the parents, especially parents of teenagers. How many tears have you shed for your kids? Could you even come close to keeping track? How many, a bottle couldn't hold it. A jug couldn't hold it. There's just no way. Now, fast forward from David's words to the time of Jesus. Now, this actually is something they, they did. When they would have a funeral march, as they were walking to the grave, they actually had people who had bottles, and they collected the tears of the people who cried during that funeral session, and they would present it to the family to say, look how missed this person is. I think mine might be like a little bitty bottle, you know, but you look back and you think tears are so valuable. Matter of fact, some of you, you might need a gift item. I know Valentine's passed, but there's always Easter. You can go on Amazon. You can get tear bottles, 10 for $6.65. How boring is that? Okay, so anyway, <laughs> Revelation 21.4, I love this. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, will wipe away every tear. I want you to think about that, what that means. Um, as you know, you've, you've uh, seen some highlights of uh, Night to Shine and how powerful that is. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to read you. This comes off of uh, Facebook, and this is Casey May. And if you know Casey, uh, Casey just has this amazing heart for hurting people. And she wrote this article, and I asked her if I could read it. And she said, absolutely not, so I'm going to read it anyway. So anyway, here it is. <laughs> Uh, several weeks ago, Brecken and I attended a corsage making party at our church uh, for the Night to Shine event. Uh, she picked each piece of that corsage and she assembled it, and we assembled it together, and she was so proud of it. Tonight, at Night to Shine, I met the most precious woman at Tim Tebow's Night to Shine. We made our way to the corsage table. Uh, the guest was asked to choose one. There was a hundred of these beautiful corsages beautifully laid out on the table. When I asked her her favorite color, she answered yellow. And then I heard her say, oh, but I love this one. And she saw, as my eyes filled with tears, my new friend had picked the very corsage that Brecken had made. It made me feel something deep. God knew before and was orchestrating every detail of this event weeks before. God knows how to show his love in the most amazing beautiful, and unexpected ways. I love how God shows up that way. And you know, when you talk about tears, uh, isn't it true that there are tears in life that have nothing to do with the things in life that are sad? They're tears of wonder. They're just tears of joy. Uh, there's just uh, tears sometimes. It could be a sunny day. You don't even know why, and you just get puddled up. Why? Because God is moving. It's an emotional response, and it's a powerful response. Years ago, I heard a minister say, uh, when he was talking about Revelation 21.4, his feeling was that when Jesus wiped away every tear, the reason we were crying is because we realized the people who were not in heaven. And I got to be honest, I totally disagree with that. I don't think that's why we're crying at all. When you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, and honestly, you know what happens? You don't talk. You got nothing to say. You've got nothing to add. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I think what happens is you fall on your knees, and what do you do next? You just cry. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just in tears. And I believe Jesus is literally like 
wiping the tears away. And maybe, unless it gets out of hand, then maybe it's like, Peter Johnson, I can't take this. You know, this guy's out of control. But these tears are not just tears of sadness, they're tears of joy. But it's interesting. There's only three times specifically the Bible records Jesus crying. That's interesting, isn't it? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The first is actually found in John chapter 11, if you want to turn over there. And I'll just share with you a summary uh, before we get to that uh, amazing verse, verse 35. But in this, John 11, it opens up. Jesus is not far from Jerusalem, and he receives word that... That's awesome, isn't it, those kids? Okay, Jesus receives word that um, a very close family of his, uh, a member is sick. Matter of fact, it's Mary and Martha's brother. Everybody fill in the gap? It's not very Bible knowledge group this morning. Okay, Lazarus. And, and Jesus is hearing the word that he's very ill, and the disciples are assuming they're going to make their way to Lazarus, and yet Jesus says, no, we're going to stay here, and they're confused. Matter of fact, they actually stay there another two full days, and over that time, Lazarus dies. And then Jesus said, now we're going to go see Lazarus. By the time Jesus had arrived, Lazarus had actually been dead four days. We're not going to get into this, but there's a, an amazing verse uh, in this section, and it's from the King James, and it says, and Lazarus laid in the tomb for four days, and he stinketh. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, side note. Okay, back to Jesus. So Jesus arrives, and here's the family breakdown. The first person who approaches him is Martha, and we know Martha is probably the oldest. She's kind of the, you got to do it my way, and she's like, Jesus I mean, we're just brokenhearted because if you had been here, Lazarus would have never died. And uh, Jesus shares this remarkable truth with her. She doesn't even realize what's going to happen. I am the resurrection and the life. See, Jesus knows this is going to be a great day, Martha. You just, you don't know yet. But then Mary comes and Mary falls at the feet of Jesus. And she's just crying in a totally different tone, in my opinion. Jesus, had you been here, Lazarus would never have died. And Jesus was so moved in verses 33 and 34 when he saw Mary and her family and her friends crying and the spirit moved and it says he was troubled. And then the most quoted verse for every kid in Sunday school in America, verse 35, what does it say? Jesus wept. You have no idea when you're a kid, you just got the credit. Jesus wept. But you ask yourself, why did he weep? Why did he weep? And at the end of it all, you know why he wept? He was crying for his friend. That's the humanity of Jesus. It just hurt him. He looked at the pain in their eye. And remember, he already knew the rest of the story. He knew Lazarus is going to rise today. But it didn't matter. There's these tears that I believe welled up. And Jesus wept because he could feel their pain. And it was the pain of a friend. We need to realize how powerful and how important that is. One of my favorite movies of all time uh, is Shawshank Redemption. Uh, if you've never seen the movie, uh, guy's in prison, he escapes, you know, just let you know, uh, gets run over by a truck, kind of a sad movie. So anyway, he doesn't get hit by a truck. But anyway, it's a great movie. And the main character, there's two main characters. The main one there is Andy Dufresne, and he escapes uh, from prison, and the scene when he escapes is amazing, this elaborate plan that he follows through. But then after he escapes, it shows you the ripple effect of his life and the impact he had on all those around him. And then Morgan Freeman, who seems like his voice is dubbed over 
half of the movies we see. His voice comes over as the friend, and I want you to hear what he says. Sometimes it makes me sad when I think about Andy being gone. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. But still, the place you live in is that much more gray and empty because they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. That's powerful. When we started here on the west side, we actually had a couple of guys, uh, Ken Heatley and Tony Lutz, and I can't even tell you how many hours and hours they spent here on the west side, and, and hours and hours listening to me complain and whine and, and, and you know, just rolling their sleeves up and working. And, and uh, one, one of those guys moved to Tennessee for a job, and then Tony Lutz moved uh, last summer down to Florida. Um, and they used to tell us in Bible college uh, for ministers, be careful. Uh, the one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to have friends. Because a minister can't get too close to people. They can't see that side of you. So have acquaintances, but don't have dear friends. I never paid a bit of attention to that. I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, I'm sorry, Professor, whoever your name was. But anyway, um, it was interesting. One day we were at a, a strategy meeting at Sherwood Oaks, and uh, we were talking about next steps and all that stuff. And somebody said, I bet you're going through a hard time right now because... Um, Tony Lutz was an amazing worker, and how are you going to replace that? I mean, that's, that's hard. I said, man, no joke. Do you ever see that guy in a golf cart? Borderline illegal. I mean, I mean, uh, and then it hit me. It was like a wave, and I sat there, and I thought about it, and I said, um, you know, really, I'm going to miss my friend, and you know what? That's okay. That's okay for all of you that you have friends, that God's brought these special people in your life, and you need to let them know that, how important it is that that friendship matters. And it's okay, guys, I'm talking to men right now, all the men in the room, it's okay to cry. Send your text, say, I'm thinking of you, I'm crying. That's kind of weird, but do it anyway, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all right, but I love the fact that Jesus, I mean, seriously, he's, I love the fact you know, if the, if the disciples that night said, Jesus, why were you crying? I think he'd say, you know what? I just hurt for my friends. I just hurt for my friends. The second time we read of Jesus crying is in Luke 19.41. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. You know, this is such a famous scripture, but Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And as he looks out over this great city, uh, his heart is so moved and he weeps. You ever ask, again, why was he weeping over Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem isn't any city. This is the heart of Israel. This represents really the nation of Israel. And there was this overwhelming emotion that came over Jesus of the pain that they were suffering, the mistakes that they had made, and the darkness they were living in. And so I asked myself, if Jesus were looking out over us today, would he shed a tear? And I believe he would. At the beginning of this month, I'm sure all of you heard on the news, in New York, they passed a bill to legalize late-term abortions. And you step back and you realize, you know, that's just not a news. That's just not a news item. You need to, to think about what that really meant. So I did some research, and here's what it means. Uh, the New York abortion law 
It allows abortion up to the point of birth without any serious restrictions. Number two, it allows non-physicians to perform abortions. Number three, it removes protections for a baby born alive during an abortion. And number four, it removes abortion from the New York State Penal Code, which means an unborn child is unprotected in acts of violence. And just a few days ago, a woman who was pregnant was murdered, and uh, there was only one act of murder. That child did not count. It was alive. And I want, to, I want you to hear this clear. This is not about Republican or Democrat. This isn't about conservative or liberal. This is about the breath of an unborn child. And one of the arguments I heard was uh, eight, 91% of all abortions are before 13 weeks. After 21 weeks, it's only 1%. Now, see how that flies right through? Folks, that's 15,000 unborn children. That's larger than the entire town of Bedford. Now, that puts it a little bit more in perspective. But really, I think the most important thing is you step back away from the noise and you look through the lens of God's word because then you can experience God's heart. And so listen to God's word. Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were within your book before one of them came to be. You see, what David is saying is, before I was even born, Lord, you loved me. You had a purpose for me. And then he says, you think I'm wonderful. Wonderfully and fearfully made. I love what Beyonce, a few years ago, she had a miscarriage, and this is what she was quoted to say. There's no words that can express having a baby growing inside of you. When I heard the baby's heartbeat, it was the most beautiful music I had ever heard. And then you get to Luke chapter 1. And the angel brings the news about Jesus coming into this world. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How personal is that? The son of God will be great. He is worthy of a throne. The very humanity of Jesus coming as a child. But he was priceless before he ever took his first breath. The unborn are priceless. So I just want to share with you some key points. First of all, God loves life. All lives matter, including the lives of the unborn. I love the little song, Jesus loves what? The little children, all the children, including the unborn. We are to love the way Christ loved us. And we are also to show grace. And uh, if I step on a few toes here, good. Uh, I know 
when I'm speaking to a room of people that the odds are that there's somebody here who's had an abortion. And I know it can be offensive when a man is sharing the pain of this. I know that. And you, you, you have no idea how difficult it is. But I've seen Christians who have never shared God's grace for somebody who's battled this. To have signs and the shout and the scream, that's not what Christ would do. He wants us to have grace and to have love. And I see the hands of Jesus reaching out through so many people over the years at Sherwood Oaks. I am blown away when I hear the stories of adoption and foster care and the, the, the CASA program. Uh, I see Sherwood Oaks stepping out in major ways for the unborn and for those are, that are helpless. And it's an honor to be a part of this family. I love the fact that Jesus weeps for those that need help. And then he cries out to us to help. The last time that Jesus specifically it's recorded that he wept is found in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of fervent submission. The author of Hebrews said, now listen, you need to know something about Jesus. Jesus fervently cried out to God on behalf of a broken world. He already knew the game plan. And the game plan is there has to be a sacrifice. He knew that. He lived with the awareness that he was on this march to the cross. His footsteps were leading him to the cross and that's what I love. He said, you need to know that it breaks the heart of Jesus. And I think it breaks the heart of Jesus on a repeated time. I, th I think when we look at this, there is more than three specific times that Jesus prayed, uh, cried. I think he cried a lot. But I think they were fervent cries and tears for those that were hurting. We know that. We know the tears that we have shed for others. And it says reverent submission. Jesus always cried out, thy will be done. St. Augustine said this, if you diminish the humanity of Jesus, you diminish what he did for us on the cross. Jesus, if he was less than human, makes our salvation less than complete. If we don't realize that this wasn't just a distant, like God gave his life for us, and we, we can take that for granted. No, you need to get personal. Like the physical human Jesus went to the cross for us. He felt everything that you feel. He felt every pain. He cried just like we cry. He loved us that deeply. That was, that's what makes our salvation so real. A few years ago, we were on a missions trip, and uh, we weren't uh, too far from Oklahoma City. And I remember uh, we got up super early, and I said, we're going to go visit. It's not finished yet, but it's close. We're going to visit the monument in Oklahoma City uh, from the bombing. And uh, I remember the sun coming up and uh, seeing this reflection pool. And if you haven't been there, they have these two amazing walls. And the one wall has the time right before the bomb went off, and you look across the reflection pool, and on the other side is the time when the bomb did go off. And there was a gal that had worked around there, and I asked Christina, tell me the significance of all this. And she said, this is, this is when life was normal. And the time when you look across that pool is when our city lost its innocence and everything changed. 
because of hatred. Uh, and then I remember one of the most emotional things is there's a fence. They still have part of it there. And at that time, they posted a lot of the letters from grandparents and parents of the kids who died. If you remember, 168 people died in that blast. Um, there were 19 kids in the daycare center that died. So all these letters were coming in, and they posted them on this fence. And uh, one of our sponsors, who actually probably cries more than me, is a school teacher, and he couldn't, he couldn't take it. He said, these are like my kids. I can't imagine losing my kids that way. And then you walk across the street, and there's this statue. It's a life, life-size statue of Jesus. And uh, this is the close-up. It's just Jesus, like his heart is broken. And the, the statue is simply called, and Jesus wept. And he's looking out where the bomb exploded. And your heart just sinks. And I, I don't know, but it hit me. I thought, you know, he still cries today. I think he cries for us. I know coming in here today, some of you were probably just close to tears coming in here. That You're going through some things in life right now, and I just want you to know Jesus isn't a million miles away. He is right here. Man, I want you to picture Jesus just throwing his arms around you. Remember as a parent, you'd throw your arm around your kid, and you'd say, you've got to cry it out, man. Let it go. I can't do it. No, you just cry, you know, and that's okay. That's okay. But he wants to be that real in your life. He wants to be that personal in your life. He cries about the very things that you cry about. And this blows me away. He cries for me. Is he that real in your life? Do you want him to be that real in your life? I mean, that's why we're here. We want you to experience Jesus Christ in a profound way. In just a moment, if you're visiting, we, we take communion every week. And we have tables set up. And if for any reason it's hard, you raise your hand, we'll bring communion to you. But when I was thinking this morning about the humanity of Jesus, and I thought about how people love to be honored, how do we honor people? We give people trophies and awards, and you know, in, in a week or so they're going to have the Oscars, and everybody just goes crazy about all that stuff. Isn't it awesome that here's the Son of God, and he said, here's how I want you to remember me. And people are, oh man, Jesus, how, how do you want us to remember you? Don't you love this? Around a table, the piece of bread and some juice. That's all. And just remember that I died for you, that I love you. And that when you come to the table, that's how you can honor me, by being like me. So let me pray over you. And I also want you to know for anybody here that's struggling with anything, we have a team uh, that will pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Praise you for your word. Praise you for your son. And we praise you for his tears. And Lord, we need to remember that he hurts just the way we hurt. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your life for us. And so Lord, will you bless those this morning that are hurting? And will you wrap your arms around them? And Lord, if need be, just let him cry. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.